2: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. i would be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money in my job. It's not just to entertain, but to educate. Teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I always like to have a list of touchstone stocks that can shine a light on where we're headed. Taken individually, oh, they can mislead us, but taken together, they're like high beams that can steer you through any weather and keep you from straying into the wrong and dangerous lane. this was a good day for the Bulls. Dow gained 373 points, SP Clyde 0.64%, Nasdaq advanced point. 5%, 2%. 5%, 2%. More importantly, though, every single stock on my goal list, like the go pattern in football, the goal list was up today, meaning that something very big could be afoot. That is highly unusual. What's on my goal list? Right, I'm talking about the companies that are doing okay right now. But if the pandemic were to end or be behind us, they'd be putting up breathtaking year-over-year comparisons. And remember, we care about Y year over year And right now in today's session, the goal list says by this time next year, we'll have found a way back to normal or at least an almost normal uh, situation. And it's probably going to happen much sooner than that. I'm going to rip down that list tonight to show you what a goal pattern looks like. But before that, let's not bury the lead. Buyers have decided that science will beat COVID sooner than expected. So you'd better get on board or miss the move. Now, some would argue today's strong upside moves signals that we're about to get a stimulus deal in Washington, a package that helps small businesses and renters and keeps the unemployed from going on bread lines or being evicted or selling us apples on Wall Street. That can happen. I keep telling you that we need another package, and I've been saying it forever. We need it fast. It would be insane not to do this, which is why I expect the Democrats and Republicans to work around the clock tonight to get ups and tomorrow night to get us something before it's too late. I'm very glad the negotiations seem to be making progress, but the Go stocks that were today, they are not stimulus plays. I kept hearing about this all day today. Forget that. These that I'm about to show you are real tells. These are the vaccine plays, the ones that need a COVID vaccine or therapeutic to really thrive. And right now they're saying loud and clear that a vaccine is coming, probably sooner than most people believe. I always knew we'd get there. I knew it. When the pandemic first started steamrolling, I warned you it would be much worse than the government seemed to realize, including President Trump and to his secretary, Azar, whom I screamed at on TV. But I also said you have to believe in science. We have got so many brilliant professors and researchers at drug companies all over the world. But, of course, America's chief. And it was only a matter of time before they came up with a vaccine or a cure. I thought it was inevitable. The only issue was how long it would take. So I warned you, do not bet against them don't bet against America, don't bet against American science. I figured I could get away with saying that, saying something more bullish, after spending most of February and March sounding the alarm Cassandra-like about the virus also being ridiculed for that. Don't even think the ultimately positive view is, I I said it can't be that controversial. I said it's really terrible, but the scientists will figure it out. I I, I knew the nerds would eventually come up with something. Isn't that what they do? I mean, do you really think that all these drug companies, the people who work at Pfizer and J&J and Merck and Elon Lily, Modern, Regeneron, AstraZeneca. Uh, do you think they, that once they were unleashed on a problem and in some cases paid fortune to do so, they wouldn't solve it? Of course, everybody else is focused on the doom and gloom at the time. So saying anything even remotely optimistic opened me up to the usual time-honored ridicule that I'm pretty much used to by now. I'm not going to name names because I am a man of peace. But some young journalist penned a piece in the money issue of The New York Times back in May when I was saying my rap. And he was saying he was skeptical of the rally that started in late March. His skepticism only grew when, and I quote, I saw Jim Cramer. Yeah, he's still around (laughs) on CNBC saying that bears like me were, quote, betting against science and basically selling the country short. A comment that he said called to mind otter student court preparation and animal house worth Googling. Given the performance of the market since then, it seems pretty clear that the Bears, including uh, that writer, who I guess is still around, (laughs) were dead wrong. Oh, and for the record, Tim Matheson's great, but I was never an otter fan. I'm far more like those three guys sitting on the couch at Omega Pledge scene. Let's get back to what matters, though. The stocks on my go list that are screaming, despite the skyrocketing case count, that are that, beating COVID in a, in a couple of months. That's what, this, that's what this list is. This is a, I'm going higher because COVID is going to be beaten in a matter of months list, all right? So I'm going to tell you why today's action makes me so confident. It's not coincidental. First, there's DuPont. Here's a highly qual- high-quality industrial, Ed Breen runs it, chemical company. It's linked to housing, autos, electronics, safety, construction, imaging, transportation. And, uh, which are all doing, of course, horribly, nutrition and biosciences, was doing well. The biggest end markets have all been threatened or stymied by the virus. That's why we've been, sa- been saying I want you to buy DuPont hand over fist, as we have from my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. And based on the assumption that we're going to get a vaccine, today the stock rallied 3%, signaling very strongly science will win. Same goes for 3M. Steve Tusa from J.P. Morgan, the best industrial analyst out there, spoke positively this very morning about 3M, suggesting that- be turning a corner. I thought so too after last conference call where CEO Mike Roman talked about July looking much better than June. No one paid attention to him. Wrong! I like 3M right here right now. You are free to buy it and I have not said that in ages. Disney's on my goal list. Now, I told you last night that the terrific cost control saved the quarter, but that doesn't explain today's big difference. 9% run. No, that's all about the idea that we'll get a vaccine, because without one, too much of Disney's business remains in trouble. With it, movies, theme parks, cruises, sports, it all comes back, except now you got Disney Plus driving the bus. What else? If you're predicting an uptick in global commerce, I look to two stocks as beacons, MasterCard, Symbol Ma, and Union Pacific. Their stocks are fabulous barometers of economic activity. With MasterCard, we got some good fintech pin action from Square's great numbers. But you got to remember, MasterCard failed to rally after, after reported because the pandemic's put the kibosh on cross-border traffic. The stock's moving today. That says cross-border traffic's coming back. Travel beckons. Union Pacific, bellwether for back-to-school and holidays. See, they ship imports from Asia to the rest of the country to go to retailers. Today's rally says that scientists might be able to save the holidays. Wouldn't that be something? Save the holidays? Next up, Apparel's a huge tail. Nike's putting up good points. That's always a great sign. But the better one's the comeback in Ralph Lauren, which really wasn't all that bad when you go over to the conference call yesterday, not that anybody did. And PVH, which has spent ages in the COVID doghouse. You know, PVH is the company behind Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. You know, you don't buy apparel if you think you're going to be stuck inside for that for six months, right? I mean, if all we're ever going to do is just look at each other inside in the house, you're not even going to care what you wear. You wear you're wearing a, the, the Haynes brands. But... Maybe this people going out. That's what that 7% rally says to me. Finally, there's three more industrials on the list that don't get a lot of attention because they're so darn boring, but not to me. There's PPG, Emerson, and Nucor. PPG for coatings, Emerson for motors, Nucor for steel. When all three go higher, especially after so much carping about Emerson's allegedly weak quarter yesterday, that tells you the big money's betting on return to world growth. You heard that first. Now, the stock market's not a crystal ball, and I'm not sure Wall Street has any special insight on the progress of the pandemic. But here's the bottom line. When my entire go list, the entire one goes green, something we haven't seen in weeks, it tells me that a lot of money managers are either about to turn more bullish about the prospect of a vaccine or a therapeutic, or at least the bears are throwing in the towel because they're worried about monoclonal antibodies. I'm not And say- a cocktail for that. I'm not saying that you have to bet it all on science here, although this action makes it crystal clear that it's a very bad idea to bet against it. And I'm still here. John in New Mexico. John. Hey, how's it going, Jim? It's greatest day of my life. How about you? Pretty good. You know,
3: first-time caller, you know, long-time viewer. Uh, my question is on uh, Kratos Defense, ticker symbol KTOS. My question is on their uh, partial contract uh, award-winning uh, for $400 million. Um, what are your thoughts on? I like it. I like those, Kratos. I
2: remember I liked it at nine, and I went to the, the um, those fabulous boards. The what is that? The, uh, the Twitter, and everyone attacked me. They said you don't know any. You don't know, difference between Kratos and I don't know whatever they were lying about. But wow, I think it's good stock. I think it goes higher. I do like the defense stocks. By the way, we're going to hear from Zyvex later tonight. and They got good, very uh, good defense business. Hey, why don't we go to? Uh, why don't send a Michael a message to Michael in Massachusetts? Michael,
1: booyah, big Ben, yo doing? yo. My question is about GE. Um, one thing that I'm nervous about is their balance sheet. I don't think that I don't think they have a strong balance sheet. I know they're heavy on airplanes and in cars. Jim, do you think they're? Uh, is this a good
2: investment or not? OK, I, it's a it's a fabulous. Robinhood likes this four, uh six plus six equals six. Uh, now, here's the issue. Nelson Peltz is selling some stock, which I don't like to see because Nelson's brilliant. That's try-in. Uh, Larry Culp's going to try to fix the balance sheet, but it's a wait till next year situation. When I got stocks you don't need to wait for, stocks like DuPont, stocks like 3M, they're ready to roll, and those are better than General Electric. How about we go down to David, Louisiana? David.
1: Booyah, first time caller. Love the show.
2: You're from Booyah bought, Country.
1: Yes, sir. I bought some Kimberly Quark for its dividends, but uh, I expected more growth during the pandemic of the, of the price of stock, even though it's near the uh, year to date or it's at year to date high. Should I buy more or should like I You it? You can
2: hold it. Don't buy more. Remember, if we if we suddenly think that a vaccine is within the horizon, that stock's going to slow down. It's not. Kimberly Clark has never in its lifetime been a stock that goes up huge like other stocks. I like the company. I want you to hold on to it. I like the yield. I like that new management. Mike's you, but Mike, Mike doesn't come on the show. I don't know. Maybe I heard his feelings. I don't remember doing so. All right. I got to listen Touchstone Stocks to give us a sense of where we're going today. And they told us that something big could be afoot because they all ran... In honor of the NFL, a gold pattern on my money tonight. We got Beyond Meat. They topped earnings expectations, but the stock dropped. What the heck was that about? I'm going to sit down with the CEO to see if a potential buying opportunity. Then the buyers and sellers are at it again. I'll point out where they're tilted incorrectly. Looking for a link between Xilinx and your portfolio? I'm sitting down with the CEO to see if it's worth considering. I say stay here. Stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
2: Right, what the heck happened to the stock of Beyond Meat? I and mean, the previously red-hot plant-based meat company reported this morning, and the market was far from thrilled. Darn thing, stock plunged nearly seven percent in response. Remember what I've been saying, though: the sellers are not always right. I thought the numbers looked pretty solid. Beyond Meat gave a meaningful revenue beat, the basically inline earnings number. Yet the stock got hammered anyway. That's in part because management didn't reinstate the full-year forecast. In part because the company's losing money again, even if it's only a very small amount. Mainly, though, I think Beyond Meat stock came in too hot into the quarter. A week ago, it was trading at 126. Yesterday it closed at 142. Even after today's beat, it's only back down to 132 and change. I am not worried. We know the company's losing money because they're thinking big, much bigger than most companies do that I talk to. And that includes some price cuts to win over regular meat eaters. What matters is they had 69 percent revenue growth. That's a sign of very strong demand. And of course, it's a tech company that sells food. Do not take it from me. Let's drill down with one of my faves, Ethan Brown, the founder and CEO of Beyond Meat, get a clear picture of the quarter and his plans for the future. Mr. Brown, welcome back to Man Money.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure.
2: Okay, so Ethan, in front of me, uh, I'm going to talk about the supermarket in a second, but it is something that I'm very excited about. I happen to be a big KFC, Ducky Fried Chicken devotee, but I always just mm-hmm. say, you know what? Uh, I get it, I eat the chicken, I don't know what it does for me. How did you come up with something that is as delicious as this?
1: oh it's been great it's been a labor of love you know we've worked on chicken now for over a decade and and we're really fortunate to to get engaged with kfc and, and their leadership team to create something that was truly special that took the best of what we can do which is create that fibrous texture of muscle or meat but do it from plants and all natural ingredients and combine that with their terrific seasoning and presentation so it's been a home run here at la we were supposed to be on uh market for a month we ran out in two weeks and and uh I probably was a b- pretty big part of that. We ate a lot of it in my household myself. So All right, well, it's a great that, product. That's Stand important to
2: say because a lot of people got caught up in a McDonald's trial. Now, McDonald's, different company from this. McDonald's is run by franchises. This company has franchises too, but much more essentially located with the idea that if it's a test, they'll blow it out. And I think that this is such a great product that this may Thank be you. the next leg of the stool. Uh, and and it really is borne out by how quickly you did sell out, which isn't a a highly unusual thing for a fast food company.
1: We're we're doing great in in these relations we have with the QSRs, whether it's Hardee's or Carl's Jr., uh, Dunkin'. They're all coming out with new products even during the pandemic, Del Taco, etc. They're allowing us to drive traffic, not only here in in the United States, but also if you look over and what we're doing in China, Launched 3,000 stores with Starbucks and, of course, with KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell doing a trial over there. So the the world continues to move forward. We're going to get out of this pandemic. We're going to be stronger than ever, and we're really excited about our future. All right. Now,
2: uh, I felt it was important to bring that up because how good it tastes. Here's what's really important to me, though. You were on last time, and you said you had to pivot. You had to take. You had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, particularly because of all the problems at Tyson. All the, Tyson meaning people act, having COVID at factories. I don't want to eat that food, where it's covered with COVID. I know it really wasn't, but that was the perception of America. And you said, "I got to get out of the food service quick as I can, get into the supermarket, and cut my prices. Won't make as much money yeah. as I'd like because I think I sure. is the closer I get to the price of meat, the more share yeah. I've taken. How has it worked?"
1: So it's been remarkable, Jim, and I want to make sure I'm heard by the employees that made this happen. We have hundreds of men and women that put on masks and and did extra sanitation and other precautions, but came into work every day and took a business that at the beginning of the year was at 50-50 retail and food service. Today, we stand at 88% retail and 12% food service, and we're not a digital company. We had to move physical assets to make that happen. So we're moving pieces of equipment. We're taking food out of, uh, of, of boxes that have been prepared for food service, including into retail packaging. These men and women did that day after day, and it drove record sales. We had our first quarter of over $100 million in sales, $113 million, uh, net revenue. We had to do this. If you look at the trends that were occurring in retail, they were absolutely remarkable. Our household penetration in retail grew 40% from January up until today. That's a remarkable increase. And you look at the buyer rate per households. Not only are more households coming into the brand, but they're also now spending more per household on our brand. Repeat rates are up to 50%. So, so many things were going in our favor. Velocity, 88%. Listen to this number. Globally, our foods, our retail uh, uh, sales grew. Our net revenue grew 192% in retail. This during a pandemic, we're now in 112,000 locations worldwide. So we are chomping at the bit to come out of this part of the uh, downturn associated with the pandemic and come out really strong with a widened retail base and a food service sector that's ready to jump on our products. It's an exciting time here at Beyond Meat.
2: Okay, um, yours. I need you to understand, Ethan, I I share his mission, but you have to understand, he's coming in cold, hard, empirical facts. He's talking about, see, when you talk about repeat spending, we talk about spending per household. When you talk about more households, those are the holy grail. That's the the trinity. You have to have the trinity if you're just a plain numbers guy, and he's more than a numbers guy, but he has those. And one of the reasons why he has it is because he comes up with things like the cookout, Classic value pack, which to me took yep. the food service. Uh, took the, it took. A, 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 it, it took grocery stores by storm.
1: It's been a remarkable product for us. So this was something that I've been really interested in doing for a long time. As you know, about eighteen months ago, we set a goal to be able to underprice animal protein within a five-year period in at least one category and to see the beef prices go in the direction they were going and not do anything i felt would not be responsible so what we did we said how do we create a cost structure within a quarter that allows us to go from roughly a 2x premium on the price of of conventional beef patties to being at a 20 percent premium and we were able to accomplish that through these value packs so we only got them out in about the last three weeks of the quarter but the results have been fantastic we're actually now we're able to contribute about 16 percent of our volume growth in retail to these value packs they're selling it everywhere from Whole Foods through to uh, Target and others. We're able to get these to the consumer at prices that they're uh, able to afford and get more and more healthy plant-based meat uh, on their plate. So it was a big win for us. You're going to see us continue to be very aggressive in driving pricing. We want to ask one question, which is, are consumers interested in continuing to consume meat but, but consume that meat from plants? We don't want to ask two. And the second question is often being asked is, are you willing to pay more for that product? I'd rather get away from that question and deliver these products at the price that's equal to animal protein and ultimately below. Because if we look at our production process, we are able to produce at a a rate, that at at an expense structure, that is lower than that of animal protein. We just need to get to scale. Absolutely.
2: Look, I know there's two ways. There's two machines that don't make good protein, and those are cows and chickens. And the ones that make good protein, you're looking at them. Ethan Brown. Thank you. CEO of Beyond Meat, a company that I am proud to have championed now for 100 points, and there's much more to come. Mad Money's back after the break.
4: of
2: people in this business are very, very smart. But as I said at the top of the show, the stock market's also full of idiots. Don't get me wrong. I've made my share of stupid calls. You can probably catalog them all tonight on Twitter and make have, have some good times. But there's a difference between garden variety mistakes and just appalling errors of judgment. Every earnings season, we get an extra help of stupidity. So tonight I want to go through some of the more egregious examples where the buyers or sellers are being dumber than a bag of hammers. Let's start with Wendy's. I like Wendy's, and not just because my wife can put away a double baconator quicker than anyone. Don't tell her I said that. She doesn't know I have a show. Or because I'm salivating over the new value price spicy chicken sandwich. Hope it's as good as those spicy nuggets that were such a hit a year ago. More than this stuff, though. I like Wendy's for its consistency during the pandemic. When the stock fell to $7 at the March low, I was appalled, and I told you to buy it. Because if any quick-serve chain could bounce back, it would be this one. Then I pounded the table again at almost almost obligatory sell-off every time in the wake of good numbers. Today, Wendy's reported again, and we saw the same moronic pattern. Results were excellent. The read on July with very high sing, single-digit uh, single same-store sales growth. You know, almost 9% was spectacular. The idea that the stock plunged nearly 6% response is downright appalling. But to paraphrase H.L. Mencken, nobody ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the sellers who dump Wendy's every time it reports a great number. Buy it. Or how about Regeneron? Well, the stock that was down 3.7% today on some unbelievable numbers from the company's core franchises, ILEA, and their atopic dermatitis drug, not to mention this possible success from uh, Libtio. That's a new treatment for the second most common type of skin cancer. There was a lot to like. Best of all, though, Regeneron is working on an antibody cocktail that could play a role as a rapid first-line defense against COVID, especially for people who, for whatever reason, can't take a vaccine. Plus, in the long term, it could also protect those who get the least protection from a vaccine like the elderly and the immunocompromised. When I pound the table about don't bet against America and its scientists, I'm talking about Regeneron and its cocktail. Bottoms up. Finally, there's the merger of two Kramer faves, Livongo Health and Teladoc. Market hated this deal. Most stocks got slammed. I get it. Livongo and Teladoc were standalone champs, the stalwarts of the Kramer COVID-19 index that everybody seems to want to be in. Teladoc is the de facto king of telemedicine. It now has 70 million users and is growing like wheat. Livongo is a digital life coach for people with chronic conditions, especially diabetes, which is a huge risk factor for COVID. That's why the stock's up more than 400% for the year. Now, there's only about 25% overlap between these two companies, so the cross-selling opportunities for the combined entity is going to be immense. I think the merger is brilliant. These are two great tastes that taste great together, like the old Reese's ads. Once the deal closes, I'm betting it will become a must-own for mutual funds looking for a health equivalent of the financial technology stocks. Plus... No political risk. It's a winner no matter who wins in November. Look, I don't want to punch down. But if you sold Wendy's, Regeneron or Teladoc today, I think you're going to regret it. I think you made a huge mistake. Uh, That's as diplomatic as I can be about this ridiculous action. Now, I'm trying to be Jimmy Chill, but stuff like this makes me pine for the, uh, let's say, old, more uh, caustic days. Alex in Florida. Alex. Hey,
1: Jim. Booyah.
3: Booyah. Hey, so I bought a bunch of Royal Caribbean back in March after stuff hit the fan, and it worked out pretty well thus far. Uh, that being said, I'm down here in Miami Beach just staring at all these cruise ships that are just anchored at the port, gathering dust, just in the water. And now the rock boat even more, the Cruise Line International Association announced today that cruise companies are voluntarily suspending cruise operations until Halloween. Right. So despite this, you know, RCL still finished up for the day. And, you know, I know it's well established the stocks go, only go up according to Point Noir, but honestly, do I not get greedy and take my profits by abandoning ship? Or should I bat- batten down the hat? I, do I, I, I think it's too late to sell.
2: I mean, you know, they put up the thing, doctor, we get a vaccine, though. This thing does well. The reason why I've been favoring Norwegian, uh, Frank Del Real does a great uh, does tight ship, had the fewest COVID instances per, and most importantly, has the most cash per, so he can last the longest. And that's the one that I, that I favor. By the way, Disney has big cruise business, and Disney's doing, going, doing well without it. What will it do with it? How do we go to Tim in New York? Tim.
3: Hey, Jim, big Brooklyn booyah to you, and uh, go Birds.
2: Yeah, I was in Brooklyn last night. It, 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 it's it, it's looked better, and go Birds. What's up?
3: Hey, I've got a name for you in the uh, cloud communication space, a space that, as you know, has been on fire with names like Twilio and RingCentral, thanks to strong recurring revenue growth and the broader tailwinds around work from home and digitization. But there's one company in the group that seems that it maybe – a bit misunderstood and despite growing revenue at 25% year over year, still trades at a fraction to its peer set multiple. That company is eight by eight. Ticker EGHD. Man, I have not looked notes.
2: at eight by eight in ages. Uh, PBX exchange. I have not done enough work. I will come back. We had, we got a lot of homework we got to cover. We've just been jammed. We had, you notice we get a lot of guests lately. I have, because my wife says, you ever going to go to sleep?" I don't like to sleep Tuesdays. All right. Anyway, there are a lot of smart people in this business. There are also a lot of well, uh, I don't know. What do you say? How about uh, idiots? So there's much more man money ahead, including my exclusive with Xilinx, which some people mispronounce as Xylonix. The stock reported a remarkable quarter, but it took a tumble in worries over China. Was the Trump justified? I'm going to go to the CEO. Then he's one of the most forward-thinking executives in the energy patch, and he joins me tonight. Do not miss my sit-down with Sempra Energy. And all your calls rapid-fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. i missed it in the cacophony of earnings season. Boys, it been loud. But a week ago, we got a fabulous quarter from Xilinx. That's a semiconductor company that makes what's known as programmable logic devices. They're flexible chips that can be customized for each customer. And they've got a ton of exposure to data center communication, especially 5G. However, there was only one fly in the ointment that sent the stock tumbling four bucks the next day, in part because this thing's had an epic run since the March lows from 67 to 107 as of today. See, Zyling's delivered a robust revenue beat, even though they'd already pre-announced strong sales numbers, coupled with a $0.09 earnings beat over a sixty cents basis. The data center sales were up 10% versus the previous quarter. 104% And 104% year over year, while up 27% versus the previous quarter. Uh, just huge numbers. Even better, Xilinx gave us a terrific forecast for next quarter. So what's the problem? China. Management explained that some of their strength is being driven by, quote, recent additional U.S. government trade restrictions on sales of certain Xilinx products. Some customers based or with operations in China, end quote. That scared people. Made it sound like a lot of this was just Chinese customers rushing to get orders ahead of its new restrictions. Other than the reignited trade war, this is a great story. So exactly how should we should we really be worried at all? Let's go straight to the source of Victor Peng. He's the president and CEO of Xilix. Get a better read on the quarter in his company's process. Mr. Peng, welcome to Mad Money.
3: Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: OK, so, Victor, you know, I've always loved the mosaic of your business because I like industrial and I like wireless. And I like telecommunications. But there is this Chinese narrative. I just want to dispense with, with it immediately. You've always had great business in China. There are some rules that made it so that some companies might have ordered ahead. But is it really should it really be the focus if we're thinking about Xilings out two, three years
3: no absolutely not you know i I mean you know we really kind of quantify that as low uh tens of millions and and the focus really should have been in fact that you know our first half is very strong stronger than expected um even with headwinds of you know the COVID 19 and you know some of these trade restrictions i think that's really the the key thing and if it's proof that you know we have a very uniquely resilient business with our core markets you mentioned some of them but you know we have industrial we have automotive we have uh, aerospace and defense. We have uh, test measure and emulation, audio video broadcasting consumer. So, you know, we have a very robust foundational market. On top of that, the new exposure to growth uh, markets, like you mentioned, data center, 5G and auto also has, you know, over a long time is, is being disruptive. So that's a really great growth driver. So I think that really should have been the focus and the takeaway. Um, and so, you know, we feel very, uh, very good about the, the half, right? Not just about what's happening in you know, one uh, particular quarter and uh, government uh, restriction.
2: Totally agree. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so thrilled to have you on is it fits with my thesis that you have to now uh, push a little further toward industrial turn because one day we're going to beat the pandemic. And if you're only in the most high-quality, super-de-duper wireless chips – for handsets, you're going to miss the big move that a Xilinx will give you. You have always kept your lead in defense. That's still the case, right?
3: Yeah, that's still a strong business for us, and absolutely. And clearly, that's one segment that's not really affected by you know, some of these uh, other issues, right? It's uh, That's a very solid business for us.
2: And how about this uh, live video streaming, which I like, you're talking about uh, with all the things that we want to get, like whether it be Twitch or Facebook, Instagram, Alphabets, YouTube, you've now uh, you've now got a very good offering for that segment.
3: Yeah, we, it's a great point. I mean, look at everything, we're doing everything from home. Like right now, you know, we're streaming. Right. Right. So we're working. We're maybe binge watching videos. I think people relate to that. We're gaming. You know, we're trading. We're doing all these things. So that's all creating a tremendous amount of uh, traffic. And we just recently announced together with HPE, we developed uh, two uh, appliances, real time streaming video appliances, the Alveo U50. That's targeted for the premium market. Really high quality video that delivers at, you know, really cost effectiveness. Uh, what I mean by that, 5X throughput performance per node. Uh, at one-sixth the cost and one-third the power compared to an x86-based system, okay? So that's the kind of TCO savings and, and that you can get with this. Then we have the U30 uh, Alveo U30, that's targeted more for the volume market, where you don't need that level of quality, but what you're looking for is the lowest cost per video channel and the most density in terms of what you could pack. So we deliver 4X the throughput, um, at one-sixth of the cost and one-sixth of power for really, truly, the lowest uh, TCO. So tremendous interest in that. We're really excited about that. You know, we launched that together with HPE. And, uh, yeah, I think you can all relate to why uh, streaming is really important right now.
2: Now, as you listen to Victory, you should recognize this is a very different narrative from when we talk to a company that makes parts for a large company that we all love, Apple. This is a company that has what I now regard as being a complete ecosystem, maybe a growing ecosystem, because I know you want to do so much more. You've become the platform that, that really doesn't exist in the industry anymore. Uh, is, is that the ultimate goal, just to be uh, the ecosystem that is Xilinx?
3: Yeah, you know, that's a really great point. One of the aspects of our new strategy is to transform from merely being like, you know, a good, really high margin component company, but really a platform company. Because that's the way we could deliver more value to our customers. You know, there's more people developing for that. So they could really leverage the, the power of this adaptability, like the flexibility to optimize for different workloads. And, you know, the workloads that's driving computing of the, of the future, this new era of computing is not going to be the same kind of workloads you know, kind of commercial, uh, industrial applications in the past. And our adaptability enables people to differentiate, to get to market quickly, and developing that platform is really critical. And so we're investing not only in advanced silicon, but also the software ecosystem, like you said, ICs, uh, IP. And we're delivering these hardware platforms like acceleration cards and like this video appliance we just discussed.
2: But lastly, I don't want to leave that one to go full circle here. Your business in China really is great and your 5G exposure is really second to none. So it's not like you're trying to be worried about that during uh, some sort of uh, political stalemate.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, again, it, it's, it's, it's an issue and gets so much airplay. And I think sometimes it takes away from the fact that we're in the very early ends of 5G. And 5G is going to be a very big opportunity for Xilinx. So we feel like it's factors bigger than the 4G generation. And we're just in the first wave of, of equipment. Uh, the customers we talk to, and we talk to all the tier ones in every geography, is there'll be three generations of equipment because that's how complex and that's how ambitious 5G as a as a standard is. And we're what's being deployed today is only the first generation chip, right? Wow. And you know, the second generation is in development in different stages with different customers. You know, we announced that together with Samsung. They're using our absolutely latest technology, 7 anonymous versal, uh, product in, the, for 5G, the next generation radio. Uh, we've got this really innovative product called RFSOC. It's been out in the market for a couple of, a couple of years and still no one has anything like it in terms of the cost savings, the power savings, the four factor savings that it does. It's great for both wow. macro, multi antenna, macro base stations as well as small cells. So we have the strongest lineup in terms of uh, innovative products. And we're also working very closely with our key customers. We're we're doing optimized solutions. We'll customize some of our silicon, our IP and our software to deliver to their needs. So this is the cheapest I've seen the stock
2: because of that over because of that one issue, which I am telling you is not as important as the cheapest I've seen the stock of where you should be pivoting to now that the economy has a chance to be growing in the second half as the vaccines take hold. Victor Peng, president and CEO of Xilinx. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you. Great to be on the
3: air, Jim. Thanks very much. Take care.
2: This, which used to be among the most expensive of semiconductors, is now one of the cheapest, and for a reason that I don't think holds up under close scrutiny. You may have money's back after the break. It is time, it's time for the light round and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Time for the light round Let's start with Barbara matches Massachusetts, Barbara.
0: Hi, Jim. Hi, I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you for taking my call, oh, and you're I'm welcome. very excited to tap into your 25 years of accumulated market wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> my stock is Seraptherapeutics. I bought it about a year ago at 95. It's uh, it closed at 158. Do you think I should hold it yeah, for long this term? Is, it,
2: it has very proprietary drug. It's got great scientists. I really think you should own it. Uh, it reminds—I I prefer Vertex, by the way. I would swap out into Vertex, but I think you got a good one. Let's go to Jack in New Jersey. Jack.
5: Hey, Jim. What's going on?
2: Eh, not much. Hey, Jim, we'll uh, uh, to... all that. What's up?
5: Good, good. Hey, Jim, I want to know what you think of momentum uh, Holdings. It's and a smoke their show right
2: show. now uh, because people like photonic light. They like Sienna, too. I don't know. It, this group has always hurt me when it's gotten this hot, so I want to be careful. Let's go to Michael in, in California. Michael.
3: Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. 28— 28-year-old investor here. I want to give a shout-out to my pop, Keith, for pushing me to start investing in my early 20s. Kramer, you covered this IPO about a month ago. I currently hold a small position in the company. With the company is set to report earnings next week. My question is, do I buy, sell,
5: or hold Royalty Pharma? Oh, no, you want on are... this one.
2: If anything you want to buy some, it's coming in nicely. It's a good opportunity. You yield, 17 times earnings. I like it. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Uh, big Ski Daddy Booyah, J.C. Well, I like that. I love it, man. I love it. Hey, I love your whole staff that Everybody is so awesome, so friendly. That's the, Well, uh, you can't work on the team without that. You, we, you're going to leave the team if you don't have it. What's up?
3: Amen. Hey, uh, we got a whole lot of hungry Robin Hood investors, including myself, licking their chops over this one. Um, in light of what we saw today was this stock's rally to 1285 and the news that came out. For the push for 25 billion in federal aid for the airline industry, would you say that it's time to buckle up? And for American
2: Airlines, might be taking off soon? I agree with that. I like American. Now I'm a big Southwest fan, but I saw American break through that 12 level, and I said, you know what? I think that one uh, that one could put some points on. That is actually a very interesting idea. Uh, Southwest for a longer term, but I think I think American works here. Let's go to Johnny in Georgia. Johnny. Hey. What about T.J.X., what do you think? I'm sorry, which one? T.J.X., very large position, fractionalersplus.com. I tell club members, listen, there is so much excess inventory, they're going to be able to get the joint pick of the litter. When people start shopping again, they're going to shop at T.J.X., and that stock's going to put on 20 straight points. That's been the history of it. I think it's going to happen again. T.J.X., Katrina in New York. Katrina. Hi, Ian. Thank you so much for
3: taking my coffee friend of yours.
2: You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Jim, I'd like
3: to get your feedback for selling companies.
2: You get know, look, I, I listened to Tom Fanning was recently on Squawk. He tells a good story. But my problem is it acts so badly as does the rest of the group. It's say, the group is signaling that we're about to get an acceleration economy. You don't want to buy that stock right now. If you need, it, if you need a utility, you buy Sempra. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round.
4: The lightning round. Is sponsored by T.G. Ameritrade.
2: For well, all to talk about the big picture, the pandemic, the Fed, the stimulus package being negotiated in Congress, I still think it's worth focusing on companies that are doing everything they can to take control of their own destiny. Consider the case of Sempra Energy. Two years ago, a couple of activist investors started pushing for changes at this utility. The company had a lot of disparate assets. Uh, the activists wanted to be more focused. They came to an understanding with Sempra, and since then, the company's made some huge positive moves. They sold their South American business for a lot of money, and their U.S. renewable power business. They bought a major stake in a fast grower called Encore. It's a big taxing utility. The result is a leaner, meaner North American company that only does transmission and distribution, takes a lot of the risk off the table. That's typically a slow and steady business through the pandemic, but it makes things much more difficult since we've got the pandemic's making it so that we have a lot of vacant office buildings that aren't drawing much power. But this morning, SEMPA reported a very solid quarter, and the adjustment Earnings were excellent—a 15 cent beat of a dollar fifty basis—and even though management didn't raise their forecast, I think they're just being conservative. Martin seems to agree with me. Stock rallied two bucks today. The thing is, it's still down substantially from its February highs. The darn thing—a genuine North American growth energy company, sells for 17 times earnings with a juicy 13, 3.3% yield. Doesn't make sense to buy it here. Let's dig deeper with Jeff Martin. He's the chairman and CEO of Semper Energy to learn about the quarter and where this thoughtful company is headed. Mr. Martin, welcome
5: to Mad Money. Well, Jim, I'm glad to be on with you. You know I'm a big fan and watch your show all the time. So thanks for having me on.
2: Well, thank you, Jeff. And I know we get to talk, and I always appreciate your input into what we're talking about. And that brings me to exactly something that I was thinking about in terms of this interview. I was not going to go to Jeff Martin and say how the quarter is. I was going to say that you have reinvented this company, and you've made it into what I used to think Exxon was, when Exxon was a great company. It was a great growth energy company. Well, that's what you are now. And you're doing it in in all the growth areas of our country and in mexico and to me that's why you have the perfect combination of high growth and good yield that i used to get from a company like exxon
5: well we're certainly we certainly think we're a top-tier growth and income sto- uh, story and i'll tell you we're fighting just to make it onto your COVID 19 portfolio jim uh, we're, we're, we think we think we've got a great story two years ago we launched a strategic initiative You and I have talked about this before, but there's so much value in simplifying your business. We've been able to concentrate our investments in the most attractive markets, all with the goal of producing better financial returns. I think the Tax Reform Act in 2017 was important because it lowered the hurdle to repatriate earnings out of South America, and it's allowed us to really go much deeper into California and Texas. And if you think about the markets we're in, Pre-COVID, California was the fifth GDP uh, economy in the world. Texas was number 10 and Mexico was number 15. And in each of those markets, we have the number one market position. So we think that's a great way to manage risk. And a big part of the story you touched on is we're not in the commodity side of the business. We're not in the generation, which is being disintermediated by renewables. We're focused on good old fashioned transmission and distribution. And there's a ton of capital investment in that space. It's really driving our results. All right. So, Jeff, do I do have to worry, though, in the one
2: issue that I am concerned about, and I, this was uh, post pandemic, uh, the LNG, uh, Cameron. There are, see, the world is a little bit of the glut of LNG. When uh, you, you and I sat down with each other, it wasn't like that because the world economy is really soaring. Are we going to be okay with that? Because that's the one asset that is so pristine. I want it. But I also know the glut in LNG <laughs> is for real.
5: Yeah, no question about it. And I think the way we've approached this, Jim, is we use what they refer to as a tolling model. So what we really want to do is we want to own the infrastructure. Think about like an apartment building. It doesn't matter to us economically whether you live in the apartment or not. You still have to pay us rent. So our customers go upstream in the oil and gas basins and source the natural gas. They arrange for the transportation. And when they bring the gas to the facility, we'll process it for them for a fee. And if they don't bring it, they still have to pay us. On the other side of the terminal, the international side, they have the responsibility to, to take the gas, the LNG, and land it in the foreign market. So, it's a tolling model. It's classically a and d business. We're not exposed to whether they take the LNG or not, and we're quite proud of that facility. We just completed construction uh, a week ago, and we moved to full run rate earnings and cash flow next week. Uh, On an annual basis, we're expecting close to $450 million of after-tax earnings from that business. And remember, we only own half the facility. Right. And over the life of the existing 20-year contracts, we're expecting $12 billion of cash after debt service. All right. So you are uh,
2: the most thoughtful energy person I deal with. You gave a great speech, actually, in December. And I thought that whole, uh, it was at a, a big S&P conference. And I was so afraid that it wouldn't hold up. That I didn't hold up. Be, of course, it was pre-pandemic. But everything you said was good. And the thing that really struck me was that you are the person who has thought the most about hydrogen of anyone in the industry. Is it for real? Because, you know, we got a lot of investors trying to buy anything related to hydrogen.
5: Well, look, there's no question hydrogen is for real. It's uh, one of the most abundant elements on the planet, and we're particularly optimistic about green hydrogen, Jim. For your viewing audience, green hydrogen is typically made using renewable energy, something we have a lot of excess of here in California, and it creates a clean burning fuel source that can be stored, blended with natural gas, or used in a variety of, of, of applications. I do think it's a little bit early. I think this is more of a timeline issue, so, Through our Southern California Gas Company, which you'll recall is the largest natural gas utility in the Western Hemisphere, we've been doing R&D projects for about five years. We've got eight to 10 projects underway around transportation, power generation, natural gas compression, and we're even looking at opportunities, Jim, to co-locate hydrogen at some of our LNG facilities. Wow. I would say it's still early, but when it's early, This is when you have the chance to carve out a leadership position. So we're very comfortable uh, working with some of the leaders in Germany and Japan right now to see how fast we can advance this for the benefit of the United States.
2: Well, look, Jeff, you've been the most forward-looking guy in the business, and you've put together a company that has a great balance sheet that can buy back stock that is growing, that can raise its dividend, and it's just a sensational job, Jeff Martin, Chairman and CEO of Sempra Energy, SRE. Great to talk to you, sir. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Money's back after the break. Like when good guys win tonight, Etsy, Brooklyn Zone, fabulous number. More than just mass, it's people working at home, creating their own businesses about empowerment. And then Elf, yes, Elf Beauty. It signs a deal with Alicia Keys, who is so charitable and so amazing, and their numbers were good, too. So Elf and Etsy, two of the standouts in after-hours trading that I think have a lot more room to run because they just have so many good people working for them And so much good news in the pipeline. And I'd like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast.